Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and may God bless. Certainly glad you're here with us this evening. Thank you for coming out. Um, Like I said before, I know we're few in number, but I firmly believe what the Bible says when he said, little is much when God is in it. Um, If Jesus had done his ministry based on the amount of followers he had when he first started, and he did the changing the water into wine at the wedding supper at Cana, the Bible says that there was many that seen the miracles that he did and they committed themselves to him. Um, but that he didn't commit himself to them. And then finally, the multitude was thronging all round about him. And finally, when he said, unless you drink of my blood and eat my flesh, you can't be my disciple, that whittled them down quick, fast, and in a hurry. They went from being, you know, hundreds upon hundreds to twelve. And he said, will you also go away? And they turned and looked at him and said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of churches today that are following stuff because it's flashy and because it's bright, but they're not following it because it has the words of eternal life. If, when Terry, I know you know this, being, being in it as long as you have, if we give people something flashy, the next flashy thing that comes along, we'll pull them right back out the door. Um, but we get, you've got to give people the truth. If you don't give them the truth, then you're not giving them anything worth anything. Um, but with that in mind, if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 8. <clears throat> you know, uh, people in general, but especially Christians, it seems, have a whole lot to say. And if we were to have a open discussion about any number of hot button topics, I'm sure that everybody would have an opinion and that opinion would be backed with, with plenty to say. Um, but I have a question for you this evening and that's not about what you have to say, but, but this. What do you do when you don't have anything left to say? What do you do when words leave you? When those situations arise that render you speechless, what happens? What do you do when you cannot and don't know what to say? If I could tonight, I want to look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 at this thought of when all you have is O. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us or maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Father, we thank you for this day and for all the many blessings of life. God, we thank you for those times, God, when all we've had was oh, but still yet you heard us. God, we pray tonight that you would manifest yourself in this place. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd hide me behind the cross and anoint me afresh. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost, Lord, one more time. Help me to preach that that you've given me, Lord, and I pray, God, that they'd be listening ears here tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. But in this verse, Paul paints a picture 
And he builds that picture based on what Jesus says about the coming of the Spirit. All right, he, uh, he says that the Spirit, Paul says the Spirit helpeth. In John 14 and 26, Jesus tells the disciples of the comforter that was going to come, of the paraclete. That's what the Greek word is. And that word paraclete means to aid or to come alongside. All right, And in our Bibles, that word is translated as comforter. But the real meaning is much deeper than that. The Spirit not only comforts us, but He comes to our aid when we need it the most. When we don't even know that we need it, he comes. He's the helper and he comes to help us at specific times. But Paul said that he comes to help our infirmities, our weaknesses, those times when you don't know which way is up and all hell breaks loose. The Holy Ghost comes by your way to help you and to help us. He comes alongside us and gives us the help that only he can give. I don't know about you, but I find myself in times of weakness each and every day when I have to have him tell you, I've got to have him. I've got to listen say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need you to take control in this situation. I don't know which way's up, God. I don't know what's going to happen. don't know what's going on, but I know that I've got to have you to come by my way. I think about Moses over in Exodus 33. God had took him up on the mountaintop and the Bible says that he looked and he said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. And in the Hebrew language, that phrase that's rendered as I beseech thee has another meaning, all right? And it could be translated it is two little says two little letters. Oh, all right, what what the Bible's saying there, and this is what Paul's getting at. All right, he goes because he goes on to say that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that are too deep for words that can't be uttered. All right, in your flesh, they can't be uttered in your carnal mind. All right, it takes God to speak in you and through you to utter these words. All right, but Moses, when he was up on the mountaintop, all right, he may he may that may be just exactly what it says. I beseech thee, but that right, I got to thinking about how it could, how it might have been when he was up on that mountaintop. He had one word, and that was, "Oh, oh, God, show me your glory." Oh, God, I wish tonight that we would get an "Oh" down in our spirit tonight. When you don't know what's going on, and you don't know which way's up, when all hell's breaking loose in the family, when everything's turned upside down, when people ain't coming out to the house of God like they used to, when it thinks, when you feel like you just all by yourself and I know Terry you know what I'm fixing to talk about when you don't feel like getting behind a pulpit and preaching not one lick you have to look up and say oh God I need your help and I need your touch I'm glad to know tonight I got to thinking also about Peter over there when Jesus told him he said Simon this, the, 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 the Satan has desired you that he might sift you as wheat alright you go ahead and put your name in where he said Simon Simon because the devil comes at all of us and he wants to sift every one of us is wheat alright and you know what that sifting does see the devil's so dumb he don't even realize what that sifting does alright that sifting separates the wheat kernel from the chaff alright it separates the kernel that's fit for food away from the husk that's fit for nothing alright so when he come God uses him alright he'll come along and he'll begin to sift and there'll be little flakes of things that you don't need in your life they might be relationships that you're trying to hold Hold on to that God's saying, no, uh -uh. that's just a little bit of chaff that you've got to get rid of. All right, but the devil comes by and he, and he sifts us and he begins to move in our life and we don't like it. It don't feel good. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't leave it with Peter. The devil desires to sift you. He said, but, all right. Now, I don't know. Now, I'm telling you, I love words, all right, and I especially love Bible words. Okay, but you look at that. Let us have a little English lesson right here real quick. All right, the word 
word but is a conjunction and it connects two ideas that are in contrast to one another. All right, you might think of it this way. Somebody might say, well, I love you, but, okay? Now, this is what Jesus said. He's saying, Peter, the devil wants you, but, all right? But what, all right? But what he says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Listen, I don't have to wonder if my God would pray for me. I don't have to wonder. You know, I heard it said one time that... Robert Murray McShane said it this way. He said, I've heard it said that some men would ask that, that what it would be like if Christ was in the next room praying for them. He said, I don't have to ask because He is praying for me. All right, but he said, I have prayed for thee. And I don't know about anybody else, but I thank God for that little word right there that even when the devil comes back my way, that Jesus comes by and He begins to pray, to plead with God on our behalf. The Bible says, my little children, I would that you sin not, but if you do sin, we have an advocate. All right, now that word advocate, I know that there's a whole lot of people that wants to say this or that about that word, but that word advocate brings to mind, it paints the picture of a lawyer in a courtroom. All right, when the, when we mess up, when we sin, the devil is the prosecution, goes and, goes and rails and brings his case before God, but then Jesus, as our advocate, steps up and says, no, he talks to the prosecutor, to the judge, all right, that's God the Father. He says, no, that one's mine. Put that on my account, all right, that one's mine. But Anyhow, this is what Paul's driving towards in Romans. All right, the enemy wants us. He comes against us in our families. He comes against to destroy testimonies. He comes to try to rip churches to shreds. He leaves us speechless. He leaves us without a word to say. But the God that we serve tonight prays for us. All right, now last night, all right, going on to this next little part where it says, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. All right, if I could put that in, in, in layman's terms for y'all, we do not know how to pray for what we need. That's what Paul's saying. Alright, but in the last night I saw a picture that summed up the phrase in this verse. I think Mama's the one that shared it on Facebook. Alright? It was like a picture version of this whole message. It was a piece of notebook paper and at the top of it it said, Dear Lord, and then where you would write the paragraph, where you would write the letter, all that was there was a few teardrops and then at the end of it was Amen. I couldn't think of anything better to describe what God put in my heart. Alright? But the Bible says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. All right, look at that first line. We don't know how to pray for what we need to pray for. How many of you here right now have got a situation in your life that you've prayed and prayed for, but you just don't know what to say anymore? You've pleaded the blood, you've rebuked the devil, you've prayed God would bind the power of hell, and the attack keeps coming. You're literally at a lost for words and don't know what to do. That's what Paul is describing here. And then he drops a bomb, all right, that has ministered to me in more ways than I can even begin to tell you. If you don't get anything else out of this tonight, I pray that this gets down in your soul and that you just, you just get this and chew on it for a few days, all right? Paul says that when we don't know how to pray for what we need, the Spirit of God, God the Holy Ghost, intercedes for us. He intervenes for us through us. He pleads our case before the court of heaven when we have no idea how to say what we need to say. Do you know what comes out of you at that time? You may have heard it, all right? You may have even done it in your eye. You may have even done it yourself. But in those times when you don't know what to say, don't know what to do, the Spirit of God rises up on the inside of you. And the only thing you can say out of your mouth is, oh, oh, oh. 
again. It's a groan that's too deep for words, all right? It's a sigh that comes out of your soul. I can remember when we would, when Dad would take us to revivals as kids, I would follow the men up to where they would go to pray, and I'd hear them old-time mountain preachers that couldn't half spell and couldn't read. They'd get down, suddenly they knew what the hole was. They'd get down on bended knee, and they'd cry out, and they'd begin to pray, and then they'd just get lost in it, and they'd just say, oh, oh, God, oh, I'm telling you right now, friend, if we could see God move in this place, if we'd get our all back this evening. Oh. But when all you have is oh, don't you think for one minute that that's nothing. When you groan and you weep and you cry, in the Holy Ghost, it rattles the windows of heaven. All right, because you read right on down in the next few verses down from that one. It says that the Spirit prays the mind of God. All right, now man, maybe you just don't feel like shouting. Maybe you just don't feel like worshiping. Maybe you don't feel like praying. Do you think Jesus felt like being whipped with stripes above number? Do you think he felt like being nailed to a cross? No. Matter of fact, he prayed that it wouldn't happen. He prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, see, that's the problem in the church today. All right, we'll say, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. But we won't step up to the plate and say, nevertheless, not as I will, God, but as thy will be done. All right, if we're going to be in line with, the, with God and with the Spirit of God, it's going to have to be all God's way all the time or it won't fly at all. All right, people are too busy trying to live straddle of a fence. They want to have one foot and life the way they want it and the other foot in the church. Well, listen, I've just got crazy enough to where I've just decided that I'm just going to go crazy with God and let come what may, thy will be done. All right, when we say, well, no, no, we don't want people to not like us. Listen, Jesus said that they'd hate you for my name's sake. All right? Guess what? They already don't like you. Just give Jesus to them. They already despise you. Just give Jesus to them. They already don't want nothing to do with you. Just give them the cross. Give them Jesus high and lift it up, friend, and you will see something happen. You know, we was talking about a few minutes ago about giving them something flashy. All right, you can give them something flashy. You can give them the good high-octane worship service. You can give them the good little, little, little sermonettes. All right, the Christian heads. All right, you can do that if you want to. But I've just decided that I'm just going to write back and give people the gospel, pure, undefiled, and unadulterated. If you don't like it, you need it. And if you don't want to hear it, you need it. Friend, we need the gospel in the church today more than we've ever needed it before. And you say, well, why is that? Because I'm sure... <coughs> If I was to ask everybody at Wellspring Tabernacle what their condition is between them and the Lord, every one of them would say that they're born again. Terry could ask everybody out there at Journey, what's your condition between you and the Lord? And everybody would say there's born again. All right, and I pray that that's the case. I pray to God that that is the case. But this is the issue that I have. Is the Bible says that there'll be certain things that happen in the life of a born again believer there'll be certain things that come about in your life that you can't prevent because you don't belong to yourself anymore. Um, and this, this might be stepping on toes, but it's all right, okay? If you, can, if you can cuss somebody out in the parking lot and then go in and shout amen, hallelujah, 
uh, they, they might be a disconnect somewhere there. All right. If you can get violently enraged, mad at somebody, and then not and then not turn around and pray for them, boys. God taught me a lesson on that just a few weeks ago. Let me tell you, if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you better believe that it's damaging you more than it's damaging anybody else. Amen. But the Bible says that there's going to be some. We we talk a whole lot about the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't never hear nothing hardly about the fruit of the Spirit. All right, yeah, you shout, prophesy, talk in tongues all you want to, but where's temperance? Where's meekness? Where's love? Where's gentleness? Where's peace? Where's joy? Where's long-suffering? Where are all those things that the Bible says will be a fruit of someone being a follower of Jesus Christ? They're non-existent. And that is why we must continue to give people the gospel. Because eventually, I'll tell you what will happen. Eventually, you give people a steady diet of just pure gospel preaching. You give them a steady diet of Jesus died for your sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again according to the Scriptures. You give them a steady diet of that and eventually they're going to begin to examine themselves. They'll do one of two things. They'll either get right or they'll get out one of the two. Amen. And I've seen both happen. But... I know that it's not, I, I know it's easy to praise God when times are good. It's easy to shout when you're on the mountaintop, ain't it? Yeah, it is. What's not easy, and let, as somebody who's climbed quite a few mountains in the middle of the night following a coon dog, let me just go ahead and tell you, the, the, let me just go ahead and explain to you. What's not easy to do is shout while you're climbing. It's not easy. When you're gasping for breath and you're taking one step forward and sliding back three, it's not easy to lift our hands and say, praise you, Lord. It's not easy. But it's worth it. Amen. How do I know that? Well, let's just look at some people that did just that in the Bible just real quick, all right? How do you think Abraham reacted whenever God come to him and said, Abraham, you take your son Isaac, whom you love, and you offer him as a burnt offering to me on the top of the mountain that I'll show you. Do you realize how hard it must have been when they was walking up the side of that mountain? You let somebody come and ask me to take that and right there and offer him as a burnt sacrifice. Nuh-uh. Ain't had, uh, no, you think I'd give my son for some for some of y'all? No. I love I love you, but I uh-uh. I draw that's where I draw the line. But you just think of Abraham as he was walking up the side of that mountain. And Isaac said, Daddy, there's the wood, and there's the knife, and there's the fire, but but where's the lamb? I would have shattered into a million pieces right then, turned around, said, nope, not doing it. I'm going to the house. But Abraham said, son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a sacrifice. Amen. And it even got to the point to where he had him bound hand and foot and laid on top of the altar and was getting ready to run a knife through his heart. Abraham had to have known something 
that caught, that brought him to that point. And this is what confuses me about Christian people. We will trust God with our eternal soul, but we cannot trust him with our little petty ingrown toenail problem. We think we've got to solve that on our own. When Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When Peter says, casting your cares upon him, for he careth for you. But we, but I, and I believe this. They told, they told Jesus, they asked him, they said, are you greater than our father Abraham? He said, let me tell you something about Abraham. He said, Abraham saw me and rejoiced. Now it took me a minute to figure that out until I got over to the book of Galatians where the Bible says that before the gospel, talking about before the time of the gospel, God preached the gospel to Abraham. And there ain't nobody going to convince me otherwise. I believe that God showed Abraham a vision of the lamb that he was going to give for sacrifice. And he watched him be beaten. He watched him be nailed to a cross. He watched them ram a spear through his side, watched him lay him in a tomb, and watched him resurrect three days later. And that's what convinced Abraham. Abraham, I'm sure, had some, and during that time, I'm sure, he got down to where all he had was oh. All he had was oh, oh. But he done it anyways because he knew that if God was going to resurrect his son, that he could stab his through the heart and burn him to a crisp and God would raise him up out of the ashes, friend. We wonder why we don't see the miraculous happen in our churches anymore. It's because we don't have an awe anymore. If we would get along with God, or you don't even, I mean, I say get along with him. You can get along with him in a room full of people. I've done it many a time. All right, but if we would just get to the place where God, I don't know what to say say anymore. I don't know what to pray anymore. And then just linger there. All right, the Bible did not say that he that marched into the secret place of the Most High would abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It said he who dwells in the secret place. Friends, sometimes dwelling in the secret place don't mean you're jumping up and down and shouting. Dwelling in the secret place don't mean that you're running the aisles. Dwelling in the secret place don't mean you're seeing people saved day in and day out. But I can tell you what it does mean. It means that when you dwell there, that you will abide under the shadow. Just It means exactly what it says. That you'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty and I will say to the Lord, He is my God, my fortress, my rock. In Him will I trust. Amen. We've spent too much time trusting in ourselves to work out these issues when we should have just trusted in the Lord to begin with. Amen. And you know what? It might not work out the way that you hope it would. It might not, all right? Family might still be crazy. Kids might still be crazy. Church folks still going to be nuts. That's just part of it. But you can release that to Him. You can let that go to Him. And He can handle it, I promise you. But we're walking around carrying things that we don't need to be carrying. We're walking around shouldering things that we don't need to shoulder. We're walking around labored and heavy laden and not finding any rest because we refuse to go to the one that can give us rest. So I don't know who this was for this evening. I think a little bit it was for everybody in some way, shape, or form. But I just want you, I want to ask you. How long has it been? And maybe it may have never happened. It may have never happened for you. But how long has it been since you 
have gone with boldness to the throne of grace to obtain help and find, and find grace in time of need. All right, that's what the Bible says to do. It says, let us therefore come bold into the throne of grace so we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what it says, all right? We th- we've got it in our minds that we have to be like you know the story of the Pharisee and the publican, all right? We think that we need to be like the Pharisee going in there and bragging and hooping and hollering, oh God, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done. And then, that, and then the publican walks in, God have mercy on me a sinner. One of them had a whole lot to say, and the other one only had O. Amen. But I wonder tonight if all, if we would just be honest and admit that we don't know which way's up, that we don't know what we're doing 99% of the time, and that God, without your help, we're not going to make it. Amen. How many of us would just look? And say, God, all I've got is O. All I've got is O. Because I'll tell you now, that's all 90% of the time, that's all I've got. I have prayed and I have pleaded with God to do this and to do that. And I'm telling you, I have, like I said a minute ago, I've pleaded the blood. I've rebuked the devil. I've, I've begged God bind the power of hell. I've done it all. When in reality, all God was wanting was for me to say, I don't have it. I've got to have, you've got to do it. I thank God for those times when all I've had is O. Some of the most strengthening times in your Christian life will be those times when all you've got is O. And sometimes it might not even be O. I think back to whenever me and Christina lost our baby. All I had, all I had was tears. I didn't have a word. All I had was weeping and crying. You don't think that that was what Paul's talking about? A groan too deep for words? It absolutely was. But when all you have is O, you've got more than you ever dreamed you'd have. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at wellspringtabernaclenc at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.